Hey, my name is Andrew Barger, PDGA number 12203. My home course is Beacon Glades, and I play disc golf for the babes. Welcome back to the Hudson Valley Disc Golf Podcast. It's early June, and we've already had two big tournaments, with more coming each week. In this episode, we'll review the Long Island Open and Mind Kill, as well as look ahead to some events on the tournament schedule. We'll also take a brief look back at Allentown and hear part two of my Ryan Nelson interview. But let's start with some news. If you haven't heard, Central Coast Disc Golf filmed round two of this year's Fool's Fest with a card featuring Chris Gofield, Simon Lazat, Casey White, and Steve Brinster. I was unable to attend and earn my way onto the top card in round two, as I was busy at the second Gunks to Glades event between Beacon and Gardner. Spoilers, they won, and our November matchup will break the current tie. But I was excited to see how these guys would attack the course, and I was not disappointed. First of all, thanks to Wedge, Adam Gutman, Aaron Frank, and most of all, Mo Barani, disc golf is tough to film, and the front nine at FDR can get tight. Speaking of, it was great to hear Ian's opinion. He's seen a lot of disc golf, and to hear how tight he thought it was makes all of those bogeys I've had in the past sting just a little less. And a huge thank you to Steve Brinster for his commentary. I felt as though he represented the course and Northeast disc golf perfectly. If you haven't seen the coverage, go watch it. I'll wait. Good, right? Uh, in other news, Dan Doyle has been hired by the town of Huntington to design a disc golf course at Dix Hills Park in Long Island. Just what I needed, another reason to deal with that traffic. Thanks, Dan. Seriously, that's great news. I'll try to keep apprised of the course's progress and let you know what I hear. And to wrap up the news this week, I'd like to spotlight a couple locals who are making the trek out to Michigan to brave the toboggan course. Owen Smith and Dustin Wolf will be competing in the 2019 PDGA U.S. Amateur Disc Golf Championships beginning today. Let's show them some support and overwhelm them with text and Facebook messages. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Good luck, guys. Next, we'll hear part two of my interview with Ryan Nelson. Afterwards, we'll hear just a bit of audio from the Allentown trip and get wrap-ups from Long Island and Mind Kill. So when you moved down here, how long did it take you to get acclimated? Yeah, so I think what's really interesting about disc golf is it's <laughs> probably the easiest way to get acclimated into a new community. Before I even moved down here, um, my wife is from the area. She's from outside of Allentown. So I, I came down and played a few courses you know, prior to moving down here, I played at, as soon as, soon as I knew I, you know, I bought a house down here in May, um, and I knew I was moving up permanently. Oh, you're parked. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, like, are you good enough on that? You are, you're a foot short, but yeah, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, as soon as I knew I was moving down here permanently, I started chatting with some of the locals just to let them know that I was, was going to be moving down here, and I was... Like on the Facebook pages and that kind of stuff? Uh, more just playing tags, okay. playing um, South Mountain Doubles, which is a, sort of an institution down here. Friday night, I'd say it's similar to Buzzies on Thursdays where, you know, you get a good crew of 30 or 40 on a regular basis. So started playing there and uh, met a few people and, and learned about the Great Eights Tournament, which is um, basically like your team challenge down here. So there's eight teams from the eastern Pennsylvania area, and it's an eight-week tournament. And uh, I managed to finagle my way onto Team Hackett or uh, playing with a few guys that were that were on the team there. And there was a couple of open spots. So, um, you know, I got, I got pretty lucky in that I impressed the right people, I guess, at, at, uh, at the right time and, and got on to that you know ever since then it's just, it's just it was the easiest thing in the world to meet everybody up here and they were all 
very welcoming, and so now I feel like I have a, a really supportive crew, and I've only been here for a year. How long did you live in Beacon before you played there? Five minutes down the road, and just like Craig said, the vibe of Beacon is, is unmatched, unrivaled. Yeah, I mean, so the, the first time I started playing seriously was at Beacon. So before then, when I was living in Hoboken, my options, like I said, were Camp Scott or Greystone, which was 45 minutes away, and I was 25 minutes from entrance of my apartment to downtown Manhattan or to uh, Penn Station, so a lot of my time was spent in the city and exploring, so it wasn't until I moved to Beacon that I started, you know, playing on a weekly basis. First time, I remember, I think it was my first doubles event, actually. I hit an eight. Like, a whole ten? A whole ten. <laughs> With, uh, at the time, I was throwing a, a 149 Vibram Soul, and, uh, and actually, I got I got whole ten within two weeks, back to back, um, so I, I think I've only gotten it once since. Yeah, that was my first, uh, my first official doubles round was Beacon doubles on a Wednesday, and, uh, you know, I think, as soon as, I think the, the ace, too, just got me kind of hooked. I was like, oh, wow, 150 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about the Great Eights Tournament. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like Eastern Pennsylvania's version of, uh, of a team challenge. And another reason why I was able to get acclimated so quickly to the area and meet so many people and get better so quickly, it's it's basically, it's an eight-week tournament. There are eight teams. And I don't, I don't actually know why they call it the Great Eights, because last year we had nine teams. <laughs> so it's, um, it's once a week, and there's two divisions. So they start with a north and a south division. Four teams in each division. Um, in the north, you have South Mountain, Jordan Creek, Bear Mountain, and Hackett Park. Bear Mountain, that's way out of the way. Or Bear Creek. Bear Creek, yeah. And then in the south, you have um, Tyler State Park. Um, you used to have a, a course for, you know, you used to have a team for Naka Mixon, but because the course is mm-hmm. gone, I think they kind of dissolved and, and went into other other you know, other teams. And then uh, you have Sedgley, uh, which is down in Philadelphia. Um, and they're, they're the powerhouse. Uh, I think they won last year. And then you have Sellersville, which actually has, which is a little bit further south from here, about 45 minutes or so. And they have an A and a B team. And so basically every week you have um, a tournament. The first four weeks are within the north, within the south. And then once the first four weeks are over, they reseed. And the top four and the bottom four have another competition. Basically determines your seeds for the championship, which is 10 weeks into the tournament. And that's a match play tournament, which is exciting because anything yeah. can happen during match play. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, I think we either came in third or fourth, but uh, but it's great. So in the way that it works is every week um, you have a roster of 12. You place your players into four different pools, A, B, C, or D pool. You play a singles round and you take the best score from your team that played in the pool. So let's say I'm in B pool. Um, I shot a 54 on Thursday. My you know teammate Adam shot a 53. My score gets thrown away. His 53 is the score we use for B pool. I think he came in second overall, so we get like 12 points, and that contributes to the team total. So it's interesting in that way because there's a lot of strategy around you know, who do you put in A, who do you put in B, because you don't want to put all your best players in A. Yeah, right. You got to kind of spread out the you know the love there. So, um, but it's it's a great tournament because every week you're traveling to different courses. First four weeks you're playing all the north, and the south is playing the south. But then once you reseed, then you, you know I might I could be down in in Sedgley. Yeah. I could be playing. Last year there were more teams. French Creek had a team. And you're on week three now? Yep. We just finished up week three. Where are you playing next? Next week, we're going to be playing Jordan. So that's oh, why. Jordan. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. You met Face yeah. um, at Jordan, uh, the, the loving course troll there. He's, he's, awesome. <laughs> he's, he's great. Puts a ton of ton of work and dedication into that course. And so he's, you know, out there making sure everything's going to be ready, ready for the tournament there. Uh, but yeah, it's great. You, you meet, I mean, the whole purpose of the, of the grade eights is just to expand your your experience in the area, meet new people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, inspire some camaraderie between the clubs. 
But yeah, so hole 10, we're in the woods. Um, it's a really tough par four. You're, you've got a tunnel shot into another tunnel with a little bit of a clearing in the middle. The hole probably is 550 feet, two-shot hole for sure. Yeah. All right, what are you throwing here? I'm going to throw a firebird. Um, it, it is a right-hand turn into the second tunnel, so. Oh, so we're going right yep, down we're here. Going right okay. Down there. We're playing a course blind. What three discs are you throwing? I, I probably have a good idea myself, <laughs> but I'd like to, like to have it on record. Yeah, sure. So it's interesting. So I played, I was out in Utah with my wife. We did a kind of a West Course National Park tour just last week, and I was planning on playing Mulligan's Creekside, which is the first course of the, the Utah Open out there. You know, while it's in the pro layout, I'm checking luggage, so I can only bring a couple discs, and it's a it's a pro course, you mm-hmm. know, pro fairways, pro distance. So I actually brought six discs. So I, I brought a, a Destroyer, Thunderbird, Firebird, Rock 3, Zone, and a Wizard. If I had to pick three, I'd probably go Wizard, Rock 3, Thunderbird. Is that, is that what you're I, thinking? Honestly, based on what you had said earlier in the conversation, I should have guessed Wizard. I would have said Judge, but the putting. The putting. Because, yeah, so <laughs> so I should have said Wizard, but yeah, that those are the, the other two discs, 100%. Oh, uh, hole 11? Hole 11. Iconic hole at Hackett. It's uh, 280 feet. The basket is on an obelisk about five, probably six feet off the ground. So the basket, top of the basket, is probably 15 feet up. Yeah, a little hyzer forehand line. You want to land to the right of the basket so you get the best uh, best look at the putt. Your typical disc golf week. I probably get about two to three rounds in a week. What's great about being down here is every day of the week there's something going on. Tournaments, my, you know, Mr. Disc Golf, Mike Soltz tournaments, they fill up five minutes. Yes, okay. this is I knew uh, we did Mr. Pocono. Disc Golf territory for okay. sure. You know, Mondays I'll be, it, it really for me it's work. Depends mm-hmm. on if I can work from home and again. I was going to say, you still, you still, still work in the working, same place. Yep, okay. still work in uh, Northern Jersey at a, a medical uh, company. And I work in IT so I can be remote a couple days a week. So really depending on where I am. It, it's funny, my radius is so big because when I'm at work, I'm five minutes from Camp Caw. And when I'm here, I've got all the Allentown courses. So this is, how far, how, do, how far, how long do you get to work? Pretty bad. It's about an hour and a half. And it used to be? It used to be 45 minutes when I was in Beacon. Okay. Yep. And forty in about fifty minutes to an hour when I was in Hoboken. So I've never really had a good commute. Monday Field of Dreams and, and you know, I love going out there playing with Choka. Tuesdays I'll be here at Hackett for doubles if I can. Wednesdays is more township and they do uh, glow all year round. Great course for glow. A lot of a lot of short holes in the woods, a lot of aceable holes. They only pay out like fifty bucks for an ace because it happens mm. so often. I don't know if there's anything going on Thursdays uh, and then Fridays is South Mountain. Saturdays are tags here, which probably going on right around yeah. right around ten thirty. And then Sunday, Lehigh Valley tags, which is great about what they do is they do a rotating schedule where you're playing Parkway, Waresdam, Jordan, South Mountain, Wild Card. So they'll come out to Hackett, they'll go down to Sellersville or something for a for a wild card round because there's just so many oppor- yeah. opportunities. You don't want to be playing the same course every week. And so you say in an average week, based on your work schedule, you try to get two or three rounds. Yeah, okay. any of those places. Uh, hole twelve. Yeah, hole twelve. It's another. I wouldn't say a tunnel. It's a pretty wide open fairway in the woods. The basket's tucked around uh, left about 280 feet. So you just I'm going to throw a tee bird straight and just let it hyzer out at the end. You know, I'd love to play every day. With work, it's tough, and I've got a house now. With I didn't anticipate having spent so much time fixing things, and uh, you know even. 
and like maintaining the yard. It's only a, like a little less than a third of an acre, but I feel like I'm out there. When we bought the house, it was uh, it was already landscaped, but the previous owners didn't do a really great job keeping it up to date. Like I'm out there half the time just weeding and trimming shrubs and stuff. It's funny. Um, every time I do something at Beacon, like maybe, I don't know, we're going to flip the mats. I'm like, what am I going to do with the house? I can't. It's like a trade-off. It's like, oh, I mowed the lawn? Okay, I'm going to flip some mats and not feel guilty. <laughs> I find it tough to, uh, to volunteer. They're put in the hours with uh, no full work schedule. Uh, I'm not really that handy. I need whack. I can move things around. I'm I'm honestly, I'm a body when I come. You yep. know what I mean? It's like, yep. you guys want to do something? Tell me what to do. Right. Do I need to pull out a root? Do I need to dig a hole? For me, it's all about, you know, what whatever you can do, put in the time for me contribute the time so I'll throw money at <laughs> that's you know what you know what I do is I, I'll run up or I'll yeah. or, you know I'll volunteer at a tournament yep. you you've ran a couple tournaments at Beacon yep. if you can't if you can't do one thing you do the other right you know what I mean yep. and like you said there might be a guy who's like dude I don't I wish I had the money yep. but I got bills yeah so what I'll do is I'll be a body I'll be right. this and that's what you need both you need the guy who'll do the work and the guy who yeah, will pay for the work yeah. thing, right and then you need somebody that's got the expertise like here we've got Blake and, and this guy Andrew they're both uh, really hand- handy. Andrew does uh, landscaping and, and other things for a living. So we'll actually apply a different layout on the next hole, um, a new tee pad that we kind of built together. Yeah, it's just, it's, you got to volunteer in any way you can. Do you know who made these signs, speaking of it? Um, they're pretty nice. They're wooden, wooden yeah. grave. They've got a course layout with the par. They you know were- what? They were designed by uh, by Andrew Felker. Um, Andrew Felker does awesome trophies at all the events down here. He runs the Once Around the Mountain tournament. From that tournament, I came in second, and I've got this big old wooden disc with trophy. It's it's pretty cool. Kind of like chicken wing. Kind of like chicken wing, absolutely. Yeah, hole 13, um, really cool hole. It's another turnover, Annie, or, or flick shot. It's 250, probably plays 280, but it's a tunnel, and there's this tree that's about, kind of drapes over the tunnel and really makes a really picture picturesque uh, green. So I'll throw that Monarch, that really mm-hmm. green in Monarch. You mentioned there's a ton of courses in the area. Do you have one that you would consider your home course? Oh yeah, this this course right here. Yeah, I'm about 10 minutes north of here. Packet's on the, the north side of Easton and I'm in Forks Township, which is, it's, it's technically in Easton, but it's, uh, it's the, the north borough, I guess. My wife and I were looking for houses out here. Um, the house we ended up buying is about four doors down from a, a beautiful open field park. You know, I was telling myself, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out every week. Yeah. Yeah. buy a practice basket. I'm going to get out there and, you know, do some field work. I've been out there twice in a year. So we're heading downhill, big open fairway. The initial tee position in the woods is in the woods. You're shooting out. It's not even a tunnel. It's a pretty open gap in the mm-hmm. tee pass, but you're throwing downhill around, and the basket's tucked into the bottom of the hill on the right. So it's a, it's a really tough <laughs> forehand shot. What are your goals with disc golf? I'm pretty competitive. I definitely I don't get stressed out about poor performances. I think one of my strengths is my mental game. I can handle stress and like adverse, you know, situations a lot of times. Like the the round that I played at Camp Saint my first round, which was actually ended up being my first thousand rated round. Second hole, I threw my favorite firebird right into the water, you know, and and took a bogey. And from there, I still, you know, kind of fought back and just had a had a great round. Being as competitive as I am, I you know I want to be able to win a pro tournament, mm-hmm. right? That's definitely that's step one. That's step one. Then you worry about sure. step two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I just want to do the best. It's like cool, yeah. Okay, hole 15, what we got? Another great hole. And I'm saying, saying that for every hole. I just love the course. I'm like, pop this par four we've got. You're throwing from the, the tee pad is actually the, the bike path. And you've got to throw a turnover about, I'd say, 350 feet to get up a hill into a pretty tiny gap in a fairway. What I'll throw is an understable destroyer to get to the top of the hill. That'll give me another backhand or forehand at the basket. 
One thing I noticed during this round is that you're now step putting. I called it jump putting earlier. You corrected me, and it's step putting. <laughs> yeah, so I, I watched Chris Dickerson. He just drills those putts. And it's almost like he would rather be a foot outside the circle than yeah. a foot inside the circle. Right. And so, you know, I, I gave it a try, and I just found that one of the advantages to it, well, one, you're, the accuracy is a lot better because you're, you've got the extra momentum from the putt mm -hmm. that you, you really need to commit to the line. You can get a lot more juice behind it, whereas if you're – so you can get more of a putt from a further distance back from the hole. Whereas, you know, maybe if I was 80 feet out, I used to throw a little bit of a, like a full half shot um, with, a, with a reach back. Now I'm able to get more of a, you know, putt-like flight and get closer to the basket. And what I found is that I don't fall left or right of the basket as, you know, I, I don't end up outside of the circle if I miss falling right on the back of the basket. So it's an accurate putt and it's a safe putt. Safer putt. What do you think of the controversy over the foot faulting? Yeah, that people I, call. I think it's tough because if you're doing it right, it looks like a football to a certain extent. Right? I, I had been doing a jump putt for several years, mm -hmm. and I come to find out recently I've been I've been foot faulting every time I do it because you're I'm, I'm, I'm you're jumping and then throwing. Yeah. yeah, so I have had to not redo anything. Just I had to get better. Hole 16, pretty neat hole. It's uh, if you look at the T sign, it's just a basket in the middle of a rectangle because it's a about a 250 foot shot, but it's down a hill and the basket is at the bottom of the hill on a pretty steep slope. And I with assume this OB. road's OB. Yeah. <laughs> with OB on the so, right side. So, really soft par four. You've got OB on the road on the right. It, it's about a 550 foot, probably 500 foot hole. Uh, there used to be a tree that guarded the basket, but now that the tree is down, it's, you know, it makes it a little bit. That's why you say soft. It's, it's pretty soft. I mean, you, as long as you can pump 350 into mm -hmm. the middle of the fairway, it's a really easy green because it's, it's on, on an upslope. Probably the most eagled hole here. You know, for me, I'll, I'll throw a, a destroyer, probably a brinster, um, especially if it's windy, just to get it left of the trees on the right and avoid the OB. And then I'll throw a rock or a judge up, depending on the uh, where I end up in relation to the basket. I mean, I just love playing the Warwick Championship because you're playing all four. All four, yeah. yeah. And that was my first uh, MA2 win. And my policy is I'm not going to move up until I've won. You know, you've got so many different shots. It really challenges, uh, you know, makes you think. I see my favorites, probably silver blue. I think that's, if, if, if pulled, I think most people would, would probably agree. Yeah. Pull 18, toughest par 3 on the course, tightest tunnel. It's about 250. It's got this dog leg at the end, directly left. And if you go long and throw something like a Firebird or a Destroyer, you might end up in the road. Hey, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, sir, for playing around. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Ryan. I don't think anyone noticed that we were rushing at the end there to get to a tag round in which one of us shot nine down. I did have one more topic that I'd like to discuss concerning that road trip. There were a lot of great courses and great guys who maintained them. Here's a quick discussion of our favorites. I really thought Little Lehigh was like one of the most beautiful <laughs> courses I've ever seen. I'll tell you. The second hole was amazing. That whole first five hole run. <laughs> then thing was after awesome. the ducks on the backside, that was like. And the uh, whole ten. Great blue herons all throughout. Oh and the river. yeah, all the. Yeah, the blue and he started out with that blue heron on seven at uh and nothing Jordan to knock Creek. jordan creek like jordan creek was awesome too i think it was a really cool course you know it was uh little lehigh also we didn't see any other golfers there no. maybe leaving oh, yeah. they were leaving but it, nobody else was playing when we just yeah. played the weather was a little bit dodgy weather on and it was friday late chasing people away just to dude if i live near that course i'd play it every yeah. fucking day yeah jordan a lot creek. of love for little lehigh is that everybody's favorite I'm, I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm not whole sure seventeen that's, I'm really was. It reminds I would, me of Wickham. I, I want to play whole seventeen like five I, times I in a row. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind the course, but my feet were so wet. That was wet. Well, yeah. And that was really you only like out of the fairway there. That was really only like that section of and the course. And not for nothing, Shane. Liam was yeah, a little harsh on the, oh, the inbounds, oh, out of bounds rules, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any string lines. Shane got away it with could, his argued, bullshit. Could have argued some of those. And mine, mine you couldn't. Just for Andy the fact that back. they should have just gone one fucking more. Well, for all we know, with. actually, the grass was so high because it was too wet to mow, and the out of bounds was really twenty feet in somewhere. Yeah. But. Well, instead of you guys playing by the rules, I just birdied it. So. <laughs> right. All I'm saying Settle is that out. seven down, you cheated, okay? Nobody shoots seven down. Nobody. That's right. We did shoot I seven down. I heard that down. about that court. That's Nobody. pretty dope. Yeah, that, that's, it's on the website. Nobody shoots Nobody seven shoots down. Seven. Dot, 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 dot. Tally or not. Yeah, even that whole section after you walk over the road and the bridge and that whole crazy yeah, shot, those couple of holes there, that was really fun. Yeah, I thought that was like... And dry, that would be amazing. It was a really cool section of the course. It's a you know, really like good that. course. You know, I think about... Because it was like, even still, like, manicured. You know, yeah. they did the best they could. Yeah. They didn't just give up. Or even those huge, on the back nine, those huge holes, and it's across the street from suburbia. Yeah. So you got this huge, beautiful park, <clears> like, manicured freaking green that's, like, fucking 200 yards long. What'll blow your mind about that place is Fatty found a couple years ago... That it was going to shit because oh, yeah. the local golfers that just play out of there just kind of checked out. Yeah, we went that year and the tee pads were just atrocious. Yeah. Okay. Just like cracked pavement everywhere. Yeah, that's oh, beautiful. Two minutes. Pat, would you mind grabbing you know, a plate? It's weird. It's like oh, almost. I gotta get the cheese. Uh, it's like a too hole. many courses oh, thing. Yeah. How do you take care of it all? Yeah. How do you how do you suffice that many golfers? Third hole, I think, that played up the hill to the right in the corner near the. Yeah. I think that was number two, maybe. Like which was more like a suburban road, like your urban on one side, but second time we ever played it that basket had been stolen like it was just <laughs> yeah. it misused and like we played we were like where is it somebody was like oh it got stolen but it's gotten some love lately so Jordan I guess would be the second favorite course because Blue Mountain is great as it was and picturesque the view from today was amazing up on the mountain there just looking think, yeah, down like the valley half of that, half of that oh, course yeah. was awesome it's a great course it's like almost I, I don't want to say gimmicky because of the downhill thing but it's like it's a lot of the same straight downhill type of shit yeah. where Jordan you get a mix I like the creeks uh, you know the river shots at Jordan shit like that uh, the pond shots at Jordan I love 18 it's really fun double creek cross yeah the 18's Killer. And even the first couple of holes, like maybe number three, it's like a field shot near that house and stuff. Oh, the Annie? Yeah, the Annie kind of shot. That's kind of like a really nice hole. And didn't we walk up on a couple of holes in Jordan, uh, like hole eight or something? We're like, isn't this the most beautiful fucking hole you've ever seen type of thing? Oh, or, oh yeah, that was, that was on the, the back. 15? Or is that the back? was after the one yeah. that stops. Yeah, it's I all green that, with the trees. The first time I was there, I was like, not it is beautiful, my man. favorite, but you just walk up to it and you're like, I need to It was like picturesque, man. Right yeah. Beautiful. I need a poster of that above my bed. Welcome to Jordan like Creek. For all your disc golf dreams come true. Special thanks to Andy, JFAT, Shane, Liam, Antonio, and the Sleeping James. So it looks like Little Lehigh won the 
favorite course of the weekend, but you really couldn't go wrong with any of them. Something else that came up while we were in Allentown was course ratings. Ryan pointed out that Hackett Park got a particularly harsh review from someone who encountered bees. I don't remember if it was on Disc Golf Scene, Disc Golf Course Review, or U-Disc, but it does point out something that every disc golfer should be aware of. Disc golf is a fringe sport. In my six years of playing, disc golf has exploded in popularity. But if you go from 1% of population to 1.5% of the population, it's still not mainstream. Not to knock 50% growth, that's awesome, but disc golf is still on the outskirts in terms of sports. With that in mind, it is that much more important for us as a community to rate our local courses. One negative review can have a huge impact. A course with nine positive reviews could get hurt from one negative review, but if that course had 20 or 30 reviews, that one bad review doesn't have as much impact. There isn't much we can do if somebody has a bad day, hits an extra tree, misses a mando, trips over a log, or gets stung by a bee. What we can do is rate our courses. There's nothing that can be done when somebody puts up a bad rating, but the more people who rate a course, the closer to an accurate rating you'll have when looking to do a road trip. I'm not saying to give five stars to every course or not give a course a one-star rating. There are five-star and one-star courses out there. Just try to give an honest review and it'll help everybody find the right courses. Okay, I was getting a little lightheaded standing on top of that soapbox, so I'll step down and take a look at a couple of the events that are becoming staples of our tournament season, the Long Island Open and Mind Kill. I've had the pleasure of playing both of these tournaments in the past. Both are run smoothly and professionally and get better each year. Let's begin with the 2019 Mind Kill Disc Golf Championship held in North Blenheim, New York. This is a four-round tournament held over two days in what is... Sorry, Mighty Gaw, the most grueling tournament in the area. Until my wife decided on getting a three-legged chihuahua named Archie, I was planning on playing this tournament. I had a bunch of friends going, and it sounded like a blast. Unfortunately, my friends either dropped, DNF'd, or didn't score well enough to place. Needless to say, Archie is acclimating well. The Mind Kill Tournament has been run since, I believe, 2016 by Jason Lasasso. He does a great job. The course is similar to Warwick in that they have two baskets and two tee pads on each hole. As such, Pro, Am1, and Am40 played all four layouts while the rest of the divisions played from the green tees both days. In the rec division, Paul Scarpato held off Mark Hay in a playoff. Stephen Bailey took intermediate by seven strokes. Bagger. Just kidding. Seven strokes over four rounds is, is closer than it seems. Although Keith Cumley winning AM50 by 12 strokes does make me think that it's time for him maybe to move up to AM60. I don't know. Daniel Ignor won the AM40 division by 14. Shelly Herzog won the advanced women division by 11 strokes. If you'll notice, I'm not giving combined scores or plus minus to par. The fact is, this tournament is a beast. Four rounds in two days is fun, unless every throw counts. Add to that, hearing a score in the 200 may remind some of these golfers of their very first tournaments. The remaining divisions played all four layouts. Matt Miller took advance with a minus two for the tournament. Just to totally contradict myself, he shot 231. Moving on to MP50, Bobby Jones was five strokes better than MA1 to take it by eight strokes. Chelsea Carl won the Women's Open, and Daniel Brooks-Wells eked out the Pro Open win by a stroke over Dylan Reese, shooting minus 21 for the tournament with a 212. Nice shooting, everybody. And I would suggest getting into that Jason Lasasso's ear now, because each year this tournament sells out quicker and quicker. I think it was under an hour this year. Meanwhile, on the island... This past Saturday, Element Discs hosted their annual Long Island Open at Heckscher Park in Islip. According to my research, this event has been held since 2012 when Ernie was the TD. The last few years, however, tournament director duties have been taken care of by Chris Ward, Keith Elgart, and the twins, Justin and Daryl Smith. The weather this year was perfect for a tournament on the island. 
I'm sorry, I have to say on the island, my podcast manager believes that it's important to keep a positive Q rating with Long Islanders. Sorry, where was I? Oh yeah, a very competitive day of disc golf. In FA3, Diana Devlin beat Meg Collins by one stroke to take first place. In MA3, Chris Skoma took first place by six strokes over Dan Weinstein. Wait, hold on, let me check something. Yeah, uh, Dan signed up for Gladestock at the end of the month, and he volunteered to help. That's that's basically worth five strokes, so... <clears throat> in MA3, Chris Skoma snuck a putt in on the final hole to pull out a win over an awesome disc golfer, Dan Weinstein. I see big things in your future, Chris. You took out one of the best. In FA2, Teresa Wittenberg took it down. And in a highly competitive MA2 division, John Cronin managed to hold off Mike Wirtz by one while he was busy holding off Christian Lumen by a stroke. PDGA number 704, Billy Bloom, took MA50 by five. And he also beat my PDGA number by 71,810. In FA1, Cassandra Leoy ran away with the win by 22 strokes. I've mentioned it before, I'll mention it again. Sweet up Long Island with 10 female competitors in the tournament. Vinny Aquaviva beat a field of over 20 in MA1. Yes, it was 21, but that is over 20. MP2 won by Pat Collins with a second place and cash by Jim Coyle. These two, by the way, are planning a BYON shootout. That is a bring your own nemesis shootout. This Sunday, June 9th at 10.30 a.m. at Warwick Town Park. If you have a nemesis and would like to play them on neutral ground, or if you just want to film two old guys throwing discs and insults, they both have really helped grow the sport in their respective areas. Moving over to MPO. Defending champ Billy Pagnazzi made a nice comeback from a slow round one, being 10 strokes off the lead, but it wasn't enough to beat Bobby Copperthwaite, who shot the hot round of the day in round one. These two have been alternating wins for the last three years, so it looks like a nice rivalry's budding. One stroke behind Billy in third was Jeff Sullivan, who beat Nick Spitler by a stroke, who beat Bart Welch by a stroke, who beat Harris Reed by a stroke, who beat Robert Kolchuk by a stroke. Good news, they all cashed. Billy Pagnazzi added an ace on hole 12 with a buzz in round one to take home about a $150 in addition to his second place winnings. Element's next event will be their annual Long Island Redemption on November 1st. Before we wrap up for the week, there are a few events coming up this month. Tomorrow is the Battle of Kisco. Last I looked, there are still spots available. Next Saturday is the J Park Jammer, which last I looked had five on the wait list. On June 29th, we'll be hosting Glade Stock and Beacon. The tournament's on Saturday, but stop by at any point during the weekend, and there's bound to be something going on. Matt Pappas is running a one-round tournament at the Oasis on the 4th of July. Sign-ups are live on the Birdie Boys Disc Golf page on Facebook. And finally, Kevin Murray is running Red, White, and Throw on July 13th. Two rounds of double T-pad doubles. Registration is open for that event as well. Wow, there was a lot of news this week and a lot of tournaments. I now return you to your regularly scheduled lives. Sweet up, Hudson Valley. And there's a lot of hot dog buns. This is important for the podcast, guys. There's hot dog buns. There's hot dog buns. Leftover, okay? But not a lot of hamburger buns. Oh, yeah. Grab your hot mix. All you disc golfers out there, be sure you buy more hamburger buns. Or at least as many as you do hot Why? Dog why don't they have... You, oh, you didn't buy the right amount. Because I didn't even use a bun on my Well, burger. no, what happened on the burger is that we were there was initially eight, and then I grabbed the 16-pack, but I didn't grab the extra rolls uh, for the 16-pack. That is also very important. It, it is. A little, you know, we were a little... Because the next day when you're trying to putt, you know, yeah. and it's whole 16, you're feeling kind of tired, you might be like, dude, I wish I had had a fucking hamburger bun yeah. the day before. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Fucking key, man. You can't fuck around with this shit. Or at least, like, the satisfaction of knowing that you'd have a hamburger bun for the next day. Right, or yeah. Or that night. Knowing you'd already consumed. You want one of those? Please. Yeah, get another one out there. (laughs) Hot dog dog buns for you. You get hot dog buns? You get hot dog buns.
Little known From fact. Yep. Little known fact. Uh, Same thing. <laughs> you cut your burger in half. That's all it is. But I think you would use two hot dog buns to, to simulate one hamburger bun. Am I correct? Oh, or would you? I, I just cut the burger. Have to send somebody for that free wood. Oh. Look at that fucking. These are, these are the kind of things you learn the other way. You don't just cut the burger and make a hot dog out of it? Yeah, basically. I cut the hot dog bun the other way. Horizontal. I mean, oh, you can, and then just flip it. Yeah, yes, I, I like know, it. Using Matt. a hot dog bun for a burger is like throwing a driver for a putt, dude. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're close enough to the basket, like, doesn't I matter. Do like it. And if it's all made <laughs> of the same right. stuff, right? Like it. It's true. That toasted if, you're, if you're two feet away, it gives a shit. I had a pretty good recipe down for a cheese dog, where I would slice in. To the hot dog. You want to check that out? Take a slice of American, rip it in thirds, and stuff it in the thing. Damn. Put it in the bun. Wrap it in the paper towel. Forty-five seconds in the microwave. Done. Like crazy things people. You had to eat it within about fifteen seconds, or the bun would just like become just incredibly difficult and tough to get through. You know what's really bad about all that? I found on. It was that quick check, you know, you can order a hot dog. Right. I got chili on my hot dog, and whoever made the hot dogs that night decided the way to do it was to take the chili, put it on the bottom of the bun, then put the hot dog in it. So by the time you get it and you pick it up, the chili just melted uh, right through. I was like, terrible. who's the genius who thought this idea? He had one job, chili dog. I wonder if you 